When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. So welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I try to take the questions of the day and answer them as best I can. But um, lately, I've been doing these mini sermons on Zoom. If you ever want to join us for morning prayer on Zoom, uh, you don't have to have your camera on. You don't have to uh, participate in any way. Just uh, pray along as you're able or if you're working or, you know, watching whatever or watching kids or cats or dogs or sheep or cattle or any other four-footed creature or two-legged creature, um, you're welcome to participate. Paul, again, is a a messy apostle. He's putting it all out there for his folks. Um, He, uh, I have been a fool, he says. I've been a fool. You know, you forced me into it, he says. You can just see him um, dictating this letter, maybe from a prison cell, with his amenuensis, a scribe that is also an editor, uh, a trained uh, person that can listen to someone speak out loud and then dictate and take down their dictation. Um, Seems to be the way Paul wrote most of his letters. So these outbursts uh, that are verbal outbursts really fit in the context of, of Paul's personality. One of the things that we see in his letters is his personality. Um, Letters uh, in the ancient world or even in the medieval world are hard to, Hard, it's hard to learn about a person from their letters, mainly because most of the important people that wrote letters in the ancient world wrote them knowing they would be public. No, they wrote them knowing they would be out there for everybody to read. So if a king wrote a letter to another king, they just assumed that every single person in that kingdom would read the letter too. And so letters very rarely express vulnerability. Um, they rarely express, you know, I'm really scared. Can you can we make this peace treaty now? Uh, I'm terrified that we're going to have a war. R- rarely do letters have that kind of feeling in them. Usually they're um, trying to assert power or dominance over another person or another people group. But here in these letters, we see an entirely different personality, um, ancient personality coming out of vulnerability, of fear, of anxiety, of of uh, of, and even some uh, hubris and and self-assertion. Um, I've been a fool. You forced me to it. Um, he said, I'm not inferior to these super apostles. Today is the feast day of St. Barnabas. Um, the church remembers him today. Um, St. Barnabas is a super apostle. He's one of, he's Paul's first traveling companion who then they part ways over uh, John Mark and other controversies relating to the Gentile Jewish split that's happening in that early church. And so Barnabas, uh, Paul would look at us today and say, oh, you're celebrating Barnabas today. I knew it. I knew you would. <laughs> what about what about old Paul? Um, Paul is not there for the three years of Jesus' seminary experience as they wander around Galilee. Paul is not there for that. He, he joins the movement after Jesus is risen 
and after he's ascended into heaven. And so uh, these churches that are founded by the super apostles, like Peter, like Bartholomew, Thomas, and others, um, the Corinthians are a little jealous, perhaps, or they're, they're using that to sort of say, well, Paul is one authority among many, but he's not one of the super apostles. Um, isn't it amazing how um, early in this Christian movement, we already have the seeds of our demise or of our struggles as Christians, the seeds planted here of the kind of guru chasing that we do, the kind of um, finding one guy, usually a guy, um, and latching onto him and saying, whatever he says is, is 100% true and nobody else is right. Um, and Christianity and other groups too, of course, are plagued by this. But Paul is calling them to the fact that um, he's done everything that the true apostles have done. He is a true apostle. He has seen the risen Christ. He is part of that apostolic ministry that is very important to these early churches. Um, and he says it's because he did it with patience, signs and wonders and mighty works. But it was done with patience. And he says, I was not a burden to you. Um, we know that some of the apostles traveled with their wives, um, Peter being one of them. And this comes up. Paul mentions this. He says, Peter, he, he can take along his wife when he travels on trips. And, and you all put them up when you, they travel around. And, and I come to you single. I don't, I don't have all that baggage, he says. And I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not a burden to anybody. He's constantly saying this to the churches. There's something about Paul that is very sensitive to the fact that he is a burden to people. Um, especially these fledgling churches as they're getting started. Um, he's, he's saying that he's going to make a third trip. He doesn't want to be a burden. Um, he says that, that the parents should, lay a, should put savings away for their children, not children for their parents. Now, we're getting into parent-child dynamics here. Um, you know, sometimes people inherit vast sums of wealth from their parents. Um, most of us don't. <laughs> we... we um, we might get something. Um, there's a picture frame I, I really want. Uh, those sorts of things that are mementos of our parents, if, if even if that is poss a possibility. But he's establishing this principle of church leadership and church mentorship is that, that um, <clears throat> it's really up to Paul to be the one to be the grown-up in this situation. It's not up to this church to, um, always, um, to always figure out how everything's going to work. That Paul wants to to be a blessing to them, not a burden. He wants to be a facilitator of their growth, of their encouragement, of their love for each other. And he says that um, he expresses more vulnerability. Um, I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? Let it be assumed that I did not burden you. He says it like three or four times in this one little section, that I'm not burdening you. He's very sensitive to this. He doesn't want this charge against him. Um, and he even says that um, just because I love you so much, that doesn't mean um, I'm trying to assert my authority over you even and trying to, to, to get something out of you. Um, sometimes love can be a weapon. Uh, it can be a way of controlling people. I love you so much, so do what I say. Paul's even saying, I'm not saying that. He's, he's ma making that very clear. Um, and then, like he does in, the, in his letter to the Thessalonians and other places, he says that I didn't come to you 
uh, with really great speaking techniques. My, my sermons were, were kind of boring, and I didn't try to dazzle you with all sorts of mysteries and knowledge and all sorts of um, things that would sort of tickle your curiosity but not feed you. Um, he says, I just basically taught you the basics of the faith. That's been my job. Um, and then he sent Titus, and Titus was good to them too. He didn't take advantage of them as well. Um, there's something going on in this dynamic that Paul sees in the Corinthian church, saying that, that they, are, they are obsessed with quarrels, but they're also obsessed with doing God's work in the world. They're obsessed with um, celebrity Christians and apostles, but they're also uh, obsessed with, with love and kindness for one another. It is in Paul's letters to the Corinthians that we have his Eucharistic theology, um, the teachings about what the Lord's Supper really is and how to practice it and how to keep it from becoming an idol in, it, in and of itself and how to keep it from becoming a, a way that rich and poor are discriminated against. But what he's saying is that um, he really just wants everyone to get along. He really wants them to, um, to, to find a different path to community relations than jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder, quarreling. Um, all the things that human beings thrive on, all the things where we kind of want to see and watch. Um, we all want to see the car wreck on the side of the highway. We all slow down to look. And so it is with relationships. We all kind of are interested in controversy, and, and, and this Corinthian church was too. But ultimately, um, the whole point of this church is to help people um, grow into righteousness. And for that, in that last line, he said, all of you have come out of lives of impurity, sexual immorality, licentiousness, debauchery. There's a lot of different ways to translate these words. Um, and what it means is just an obsession with the self, an obsession with our own selves at the expense of others. Um, certainly the Corinthian community was a culture that was obsessed with self-indulgence. It was a prosperous culture. The richer people get, the more self-indulgent they become usually. Um, we often see uh, poverty as being the source of crime, and yet it's just a different kind of crime. It's just a different kind of hurting other people. The rich do it too. And Paul is saying that this prosperous church there in Corinth um, also has to remember why they came together. It wasn't to, um, to get as much as they could. It wasn't to indulge their own appetites and selfish desires. It was, in fact, to serve the world just the way Jesus served the world, to offer healing and reconciliation and love and kindness and patience to the world that needed it. And so Paul, again, is reminding them of their first love, um, of, that, of that pure gospel that they heard the first time, that Jesus Christ died for them, that he rose from the dead for them, that he lives for them, and that because of what he did, our community can be transformed into a kingdom of love and a kingdom of peace, a kingdom where we don't assert ourselves over one another, but we learn to live with each other in harmony and in God's grace. That is what he wants for them. That is all he wants for them. And I think even in this, um, in Paul's discussion of, of this church's problems, there is a discussion of his own problems as well, <laughs> that, that he, um, he desires this so much for them. He's so obsessed with their growth and their healing 
and their community life together, um, that sometimes he, even he gets in the way of them growing in love for each other. Sometimes even his urgent desire to, to have everything be perfect there has gotten in the way of their growth. And so even though he's far away from them, he's connected. Um, and maybe this is better for the Corinthian church. Paul is really good at starting things. Um, he doesn't seem to be able to stay in one place for very long. And so uh, even, even in his um, desire to be with them, he's also saying, I've done my best. I've spent a lot of time in this church. And I want you to know that, that the message I gave you in the beginning is the message that I want you to keep going with. So today, when we think of those that are far away that we love, um, people that we've cared about over the years, people that we've mentored and, and tried to bless from a distance now, or maybe when we were with them, um, re- remember, maybe it's, today's a good day to reach out to them and ask them how they're doing, encourage them some more uh, to, to strengthen them and their resolve. Um, I think time and distance and space often create a, a kind of separation from people that we often think, well, that relationship is over in the sense of you know, we went to school together, or we, we were part of this group together, part of this church together, and we no longer are. So um, maybe this is a good invitation from Paul to reach out and say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come visit you, and then we're going to catch up, and we're going to um, hear how God has been working in each of our lives in different ways, perhaps, in different paths. Um, recently, I called a, a good friend from my early days here in, in uh, the Austin area when I first moved here after the Army, and and he told me that, that he wasn't a Christian anymore. Um, he was a seminary student, seminary graduate at a nearby seminary, and he wasn't a Christian anymore. And, uh, and we talked about that a little bit, not much, talked about other things too. But, um, it, you know, coming away from that, it was important to, to witness to, to where he was, that our relationship uh, isn't over, that we're still friends, we still care about each other, even though our paths have kind of taken different routes. Um, And that is part of what Paul is saying, that the community staying together, the community trying to grow in God's grace means that we that we 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 meet people where they are, not where we think they ought to be. And this is what Paul is doing for this Corinthian church. And this is what God is doing with us. God is meeting us where we are, not in some idealized state, not in some quest for perfection, but God is meeting us where we are today. So wherever you are today, this is where God wants you to be. And God is calling you in love to say, come back to that first good news that you heard. Say yes again to God. Come deeper into the life of faith and growth and love. Amen.